Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Having trouble getting things done at work? You're not alone. Maybe in order to unlock amazing outcomes, it's time to stop looking up and down for answers and instead start looking across. What do we mean by that? The companies with the fastest speed to market tend to be the ones that look across the organization rather than up and down the hierarchy. Stay tuned to hear how Atlassian software like Confluence, Jira, and Loom can help maximize effective teamwork in your organization. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Well, hello. It's Elector Day. It's Elector yeah, Day right. across the United States. That's Everyone's right. a, The Electoral College is convening to cast votes for Joe Biden, who will win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Trump people still think they're going to win, which is interesting. Stephen Miller said there's going to be an alternate slate of electors. Mm-hmm. Um, what probably. alternate universe is that in? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's, okay. he's probably his friends, the friends he has, which of which count, count zero. So that's happening, which is great, which hopefully we're getting closer and closer to not having problems here. But it's going to go down to the wires. Trump has said he's not going to stop. But I think we need to start ignoring him absolutely and completely. So I'm going to move on. For Russian hackers, actually, they're complaining about a, a fraudulent and hacked election. Russian hackers are actually believed to have hacked into small systems, email systems at the Department of Treasury and Commerce over the course of months undetected. It's possible other departments as well as private companies have been hacked as well. So this is the actual uh, rigging and hacking going on by the Russians, which was disclosed mm-hmm. this, uh, this this weekend. At the same time, Google went down um, uh, for a short time last night. So a lot going on. What do you what do you make of this? Well, if you think about at the end of the day, uh, the, the president or our elected officials are managers and all managers are supposed to do is allocate capital to mm-hmm. a greater return than um, capital that's allocated by competitive managers or managers of competitive organizations. And so if you think about the leadership in other organizations and where they're allocating capital uh, relative to where we're allocating capital, I think Russia is outplaying us and that Russia's mm-hmm. figured out that, okay, you have the U.S. that spends ten times that spends more on their military, conventional military aircraft carriers, mm-hmm. planes, tanks, than the next ten nations combined. We just can't compete, and we would like them to compete with us. We would like them to yeah. build aircraft carriers, but they've decided that's a bad waste nope. of money. So they're overinvesting in cyber warfare. And we, I mean, if you really think about our capital allocation, we spent $700 billion on the military, somewhere between 6 and $12 billion on the CDC. And I don't know what we spend on cybersecurity, but I would imagine that relative to the threat, our management, you know, isn't allocating capital as efficiently 
as Russia, because if Russia can weaponize Facebook and at a minimum decrease the sanctity of our elections, if they can tap into mm-hmm. federal agencies and create a level of security and create a level, it makes us look bad. It just makes yeah. our brand look kind of it does. weak. It's just, it's just this, they're not doing their job. They're not, you're absolutely not. They're managers who are not doing their jobs and instead are putting up fake you know, focused on one, focused not on COVID, focused two, not on Russian, the actual threats um, to our democracy is things like this. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, uh, the ease of the, 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 especially now that we're so dependent on, on these technologies, it's really amazing how badly uh, this administration has managed. Well, not only that though, but there's an, al- there's an algebra of deterrence. And unfortunately, it's gotten to the point where I don't think there's a huge this is like an invasion. This is an assault mm-hmm. on our on our and on the homeland. And I think the Biden administration needs to be very thoughtful and coordinate with the Secretary of Defense and our allies and yeah, pick me. Come down hard. Well, they're doing. We got to do more than that. We got to find a, a city, a satellite city, or something in in Russia or uh, uh, something of strategic interest and mm-hmm. we need to shut it off like a fucking light switch we do. and we say gotta look well you know if you're going to if you're going to continue to do this we're going to start hitting back well, they and know. we're better at this than they you know are. Trump isn't going to do anything he's well that's my point puts. there's he's no algebra of deterrence here. Yeah, there's no absolutely. there's no there's no fear of, of reprisal i like that all right speaking of uh algebra uh it's not really algebraic um disney's investor day presentation late oh last week gosh. showed the company moving even further into streaming they oh quietly while jason kylar has taken all the arrows i listened to your interview with jason <laughs> yeah that guy's good. That he guy's is good, good, but he's still, they're coming at him, all the Hollywood people. Well, are first off, him. he's a tall politician. He's totally full of shit. He mm-hmm. outright lied twice. Oh, movie theaters are great. We still, I still <laughs> love going to movies. Yeah, he just put a fucking <laughs> stake through their heart. And I then, like, it. HBO Max? No, we're actually doing quite well. HBO Max has been a fucking disaster. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to give him He's the very he's good. He should run it. for Senate. That okay, guy is in very any case, smooth. Disney, meanwhile, is doing a lot of the same stuff, but quietly in a relationshipy way. The shares have doubled since March. Is there how is their content strategy different from what Jason is doing? I think Jason's doing their work for them, the spade work oh, for gosh. them. Oh gosh, I mean this. Oh God, this is so gangster. If you think about, it, all strategy comes down to one question. Oh really? What can this we one? do mm-hmm. that is really hard? What can we do that is so hard? Everyone else has a tough time doing it. And here's the thing: with a twenty billion dollar original content budget. It's very hard to do a better job of original content. And I would bet the next, quote unquote, Queen's Gambit original stories mm-hmm. that have never been told before will likely come from Netflix or maybe even HBO Max. But what mm-hmm. can Disney do? Mm-hmm. Disney can say, you know, we spent $100 billion buying these franchises called Pixar, mm-hmm. called Lucasfilm, called Marvel. And what are we going to do? We're going to spin up six series. What can Netflix not do even if they spend $50 billion in original mm-hmm. content? They can't have this amazing miniseries on a young Lando Calrissian. Yep. They can't start, um, oh gosh, it's such an amazing character introduced uh, that Rosario Dawson is going to play. They can't have, they're spinning up, they're yeah. going to spin up literally every other week a new franchise adjunct from Mandalorian. From Let me Raiders, ask, let me tell you something. Star Wars, you'll Avengers. Be, you'll be very happy, Jason, which they have a lot of IP. One of the things he talked about a lot was the amount dragons? of IP they had. Dragons. Everything. Yeah. Everything Game oh, of yeah. Thrones. 
They they have a lot more than that. They've got a ton of Prince of Dorne. They've got a lot. Prince of Dorne, baddest baddest yeah, bisexual then, in the world. Yeah, and, then, and granted, I don't know a ton of bisexuals, but he sets the bar. <laughs> he probably he do. sets the bar. It. Actually, you're right. I probably do. You probably do. But here's the deal. He definitely. I mean, they. He was talking about using like a lot of their assets and the fact that they hadn't been used. And so I think you're going to see a lot of that. The question is whether he's pissed off Hollywood. I think those Hollywood people will go wherever the money is. Honestly, oh, they're, 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 they're righteousness. That's Although my I, I talked to Ben Smith about it, he was like right in the middle. Oh, I was like. On. They call, they didn't call them. Too bad. They bought the stuff. They can do whatever they want. I'm sorry. New, news flash. This yeah. just in. Christopher Nolan and the head of CAA, who make thirty to fifty million dollars a year off the existing film industrial complex, mm-hmm. think change is a bad idea. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> and you know what? All these guys will absolutely go with the next dollar. Yeah, I was the notion Judd, that somehow Judd Apatow was like, I wasn't called. It's like, so what? Like, who cares? Like years ago. Let me tell you. Years ago, when um. When I when uh, AOL bought uh, Time Warner and Ted Turner got all his knickers in a knot later, first he said it was the best thing since sex, and then he said he didn't like it. I, I recall, I think it was Barry Diller, he's like, you sold your house, they can do whatever the fuck they want to it. They can put a, a, a shitty patio on it, they can mm-hmm. tear it down, They can, you, so, you shouldn't have sold, if you were so mad, don't sell your house. And to well, me, there's more movie. nuance here because right. they have back end deals largely yes. dependent upon gross. They're going to have to they're, they're going to have to pull out their checkbooks and say, OK, you weren't expecting this is a different model. They'll come, they'll be settled by lawyers. Yep. But th- it's literally like J.C. Penney saying Amazon is a terrible shopping experience. It's just <laughs> it's just OK, really All right. true. Okay. But All right. We're going to get on. We are with Holly. We are by the with way, Jason you realize Tyler. we're effectively dictating uh, Disney strategy at this point. Who six months ago said Disney needed to go full Rundle? Who said yes. this six months y- ago? You did, Scott. That's right. Thank That's you. Right. Okay, sorry. Scott, big stories. Yeah. The COVID-19 vaccine is officially being distributed in the United States. We're going to talk this, about this with Stephanie Rule later because she just had COVID. The first person to receive the vaccine in the U.S. was an ICU nurse in New York. I love that. I thought that was lovely. Yeah. Across the, I like this whole, the public having it of it. I really think it's great. Across the country, 145 sites were set to receive the vaccine on Monday, 425 on Tuesday, and 66 on Wednesday. Meanwhile, major airlines, including United and JetBlue, are introducing an app called Common Pass that will verify passengers' COVID status. They mm-hmm. should have done this a long time ago. The app will then issue confirmation codes enabling passengers to board certain international flights. Uh, it's just the start of a push for a digital COVID credentials as people start receiving the vaccine. Uh, what do you think of the United States distribution plan is getting criticized, uh, largely because we didn't order enough. And who could step in and streamline it? How is it going to, it's going to be months and months. And meanwhile, Bill Gates is saying it's going to be until 2020, mid-2022 before anything's normal. Others say much earlier. What is your feelings? There's so many things to unpack here. The first and foremost, this is really, really exciting and wonderful in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, the the what makes us human in terms of cooperation and having a disproportionate a brain so large we have to be expelled from our mother early you know this is our superpower as a species and vaccines represent our superpower mm-hmm. and so it's very exciting uh it's also there's some very scary things here what's going to happen under the auspices of vaccine a lot of people are going to loosen their behavior mm-hmm. we're going to see they record death we're going to see record death during the vaccine as it's distributed. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot of selfish behavior, specifically people deciding to wait because they have these fucked up, non-scientific, non-data-driven fears mm-hmm. 
around this vaccine, which just is total, it's nonsense. And we need to dispel, we need to, we need to, we need to dispel people of the notions or we need to outline what are the real risks here. And it's something similar to not being eaten by a shark or struck by lightning, but being struck by lightning while you're being eaten by a shark. We need, I'm really fearful that if the distribution doesn't take as long, isn't, doesn't mm-hmm. go as expeditiously as it should, that we are going to have record deaths under the auspices record. of the cold comfort of a vaccine. I actually mm-hmm. believe, I disagree with Bill Gates, I actually think we're going to be able to get it if you want it sooner than you think for bad reasons. I think a yeah. lot of people are going to decide to hold back for six or 12 months. Which is a mistake. Which is the wrong decision. So this is cre- credential validation. It's interesting. Vaccine validation. Yeah. What do you, you think? I You're think a I would like. Person. I I I have a I have I am of mixed as you might imagine, but I mm-hmm. do think you do get validated for a lot of other things. You know, when you I I, have, I vaccinate my kids, you need to turn it in before you go to school, before they go to school. All kinds of vaccines, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I don't mind if it's done privately. Validation of the places that you could spread COVID. Yes, I, I'm kind of for that. I'm kind of like yeah, because it's it's done in other places all the time. Like, you know, herpes or if you have a, a communicable disease, that's communicated. I think this is a public health issue and I think it's quite different. If it can be done in a private way, share it with the right people, sure, sure. We need a passport mm-hmm. and your identity uh, and yeah. your, to travel abroad. If you yeah, live healthy. in Texas, the Republican government there made it law that, that people have, uh, youth have HPV vaccines. Mm-hmm. To go to certain public schools all over America, yep. shit. To go to certain countries, you need vaccines. Of course, you do. At MIT, if you're a student, you have to be tested every week, or you can't get into the university buildings. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm absolutely good, this, this is public health, and also, by the way, a lot of the stories of people going to Europe, they get totally tested and they get totally checked and everything else. And here, you can wander around and do whatever you want and cough on people. So I think it's it. it we're just doing a disservice to our economy by doing, by behaving like this. And it just continues. This weekend, we had all the Proud Boys here in D.C. coughing on everybody, um, you know, and beating people up, which is just, you know, just, oh, God, the worst people on the planet, I think. Um, No, they're not the worst, but they're among the worst. Um, And so I think that people still will have this disdain. They're they're going to be proud all the way to their graves is what they're going to be, proud in their whatever, I don't even know what to call it. But I do think people should be, if you were a company, you know, you people cannot come into the office unless they've been vaccinated or had proof of antibodies. I just think it's just safe. It's just public safety. Public in safety. terms of distribution, you and I talked about this. I don't understand. I, I think Jeff Bezos and Doug McMillan and UPS and FedEx, I think all five of them should get together with Joe Biden and say, our firms, our workforce are at your disposal. And not can, to have a fake, remember do? that fake press conference? Doug McMillan was at that Trump press conference where yeah. he was coughing on everybody, the same one where nobody was wearing masks, which was just the worst message of all time. So I do think, you're right, I hopefully they are. They have a plan. I think the people involved with Biden have done this before, so perhaps they will. And, you know, Fauci's now doing like a little victory dance everywhere because he's going with Biden. He's riding with Biden um, mm-hmm. and now is not in fear of being fired, obviously. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you don't want them to overreach at the same time, given all the sensitivities now, but I do think a really firm hand, uh, throughout this vaccination process is critical. It's critical. All right, Scott, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk Roblox delaying its IPO and friend of Pivot, Stephanie Rule on her experience with COVID-19 and the economy. 
Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. The universal truth with our customers is they're all struggling to get stuff done. Our goal is how do we help them unleash the potential of their people, their teams and their technology to actually get the right things done at the right time with the right people the right way. And when we do that, magical things truly happen. Dom Price is Atlassian's work futurist. It's his job to help Atlassian customers imagine more effective ways to work. It's completely natural to focus on what you can control in your team. The problem is if, if that's all you do, you get pretty myopic. The best teams I'm working with, they really work on who are the people upstream and downstream that we need to work with. How do we get flow across the organization? How do we get value into the hands of our customers quickly? And sometimes achieving flow means that instead of asking who do I work for, it's asking who do I work with? When you get team connection right, everyone benefits, the employee, the employer, and the customer, right? To get stuff done, the best organizations and teams right now are focusing on modern work. They're dreaming about the future, but they're dreaming about it by planting the seed to get the right things done right now. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom enable teams to work effectively together to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Scott, we're back. Roblox, the popular video gaming company, is delaying its IPO until 2021 after last week's market burst with Airbnb and DoorDash's IPOs. The company's co-founder and chief executive, David Bazaki, announced the decision saying that waiting provided, quote, an opportunity to improve our specific process for employees, shareholders, and future investors, both big and small. Roblox has exploded in popularity since the beginning of the pandemic, especially among children. It averaged 31.1 million daily active users in the first nine months of 2020, up 82% from a year earlier. So is this a good move for the company? So simply put, mind blown. I mean, when was the last time you heard of an IPO mm -hmm. pulling because the market was too strong? Yeah. IPOs get pulled because they're worried they're not going to get enough money. This is this is a company, and this is first off Roblox. In my, of all the IPOs, I was excited about. Yeah, of you all were. the you IPOs. Of all the IPOs, I would have thought would have gone not only crazy on day one, but actually sustained a one-year gain. Because let's be honest, mm -hmm. rich white people have figured out a way to capture all the gains. Right when. Google went public. It went public at like a two or three billion dollar market cap. So that run up, if it was going, if 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 Google was around now, the private investors, the institutional investors, would wait. Companies need to take three years. Successful companies go public. Now they take seven. So such that the institutional people can capture more of the upside. So what you have is, I mean, income inequality gone crazy. But if there was one stock, I thought was undervalued even going into this crazy environment. It was Roblox. Some stats on Roblox. The number of people, daily active users, as a percentage of their total monthly active users has gone from 18 to 24 percent. They paid a third, they pay a third of their revenues out to creators. Mm -hmm. No one creator has more than I think 10 percent. They have over 50 percent of kids under the age of 16 have been on Roblox in the last 30 days. I think Roblox yeah. is arguably the so, most So explain the, the the delay. Why? Because this is only going to be a $3 billion. So if you look at Airbnb, it was $30 billion raising $3 billion. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, they left so much money on the table. Yeah, okay, but they only took 10% of their float out. 
meaning that the additional dilution they took was about 5%. In other words, they didn't float the entire $30 billion valuation of the company. They floated $3 billion of it. So the fact that the stock doubled, everyone cries, well, they left a ton of money on the table. Yeah, okay, they did. That's true. But at the same time, they got this huge branding event, huge momentum, real excitement. It was on the front page. So these things are now becoming sort of branding events. Now, if a stock doubles, first off, the number of stocks that doubled in 2000 from their IPO in 2019 was like two, and it averages one to three a year. This year, there's been 11 already. So we've never seen an IPO market like this. So right. you do leave some money on the table. Now, when you talk about Roblox, which is going out at a valuation of around $3 billion and raising three or $400 million, they were literally setting up a scenario. Mm-hmm. This thing could have gone out three or this thing could have popped three or four hundred percent on the first trade. This is a juggernaut. This is arguably the most influential company for people in this age of 16. And here's the thing: this is why it's different than Facebook, which is arguably the most influential mm-hmm. company. It's not a menace. Right. They are spending a ton of time on safety. Mm-hmm. They are giving parents a certain level of confidence that, okay, you're not gonna radicalize my young boy, or you're yeah. not going to create teen depression among my young girl. They are they they are reviewing tens of millions of pieces of content. I went through their S1. They mentioned the word safety 16 times. They talk about parental. Uh-huh. I mean, they are, and not only that, they talk, I mean, this company is just so fucking gangster. 79% of their full-time staff are engineers. They're more of a tech company than Google. Right. They're more of a tech company than Splunk or or Palantir. I mean, this is a true tech company. Mm-hmm. And and they've said, all right, let's try and share, let's try and share the wealth with our content creators. And let's try and create a safe platform such that we act, pretend we actually have kids or that we get, give a good goddamn about other people's right. kids. The revenues, the you market like is like yourself from oh Roblox. God. All right. Well, so well, you know what else? Just waiting. one more thing. Yes, go ahead. One more thing. The market was missing. They were saying, oh, it lost a bunch of money. People prepay for Robux, mm-hmm. so it's negative work in capital. The free cash flow on this thing is gangster. So if there was ever an IPO I wanted in on, right. it was this thing. And these guys said— And this said, is a good move. This is a good move. Well, they, they basically pulled back and said, maybe it's not $3 billion, Maybe it's $10 billion, right. right? So let's just But wait. this just shows how the narrative has totally taken control of the numbers. We've never seen an IPO market like this. Yeah. So are you worried? Are you Am I worried, worried about what? The IPO market, the, the Airbnb and DoorDash. Oh, there are canaries do. everywhere. The problem mm-hmm. is trying to time the market. The, t- right. the problem is the economists basically perfectly depicted the meltdown of the dot bomb. The problem mm-hmm. is they called it in 1997 and the market went up another 60%. It's just, it's your greed glands versus your fear, right? So the fear would of missing you, out. How would you play it? Give me one quick tip. Oh, if you can get into any of these, mm-hmm. I would try and get into them, but I would also diversify like crazy and hedge stuff. I hedge just think, stuff. you know, and it depend, obviously depends when you get in, but let, let's be honest, there's just no getting around it. This is another point in the line that is income inequality because more and more of the gains are being captured by private, by people whose money is managed by Goldman, institutional yep. investors, yep. the VCs. And by the time the retail investor gets access, Airbnb is already worth more than the next five hospitality companies combined. And Yeah, I had a friend who's like, I got in at 160. I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. careful. I didn't know what to say. I said, I don't know. I don't do stocks, so I don't know. It's very, yeah. It's a very worrisome time. Agreed. Okay, let's move on to our favorite friend of Pivot. 
Stephanie Rule, who is always, he's, she's more than a friend of Pippa. She's a friend of mine, too, and the Scots. Um, anyway, Stephanie, l- l- let's talk about you. Know, she's obviously an MSNBC anchor and NBC senior business correspondent, but she also is a, 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 a survivor of COVID. What, what do you want to call yourself? What is the... Uh, somebody recovering from COVID, I would say. So tell me about tell me about what happened, and I want to talk about. Um, you talked about the experience with COVID on your show. Um, how are you feeling, first of all? And you tell us how you think about the virus differently now. Uh, I would say I know I don't have the virus in me anymore, and I know that because I'm a lucky girl who has great great doctors who can tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have felt more than anything is this overwhelming sense of confusion, not really knowing how I'm doing. You know, you get past your 14 days and if you still feel lousy, can you be around anyone? Even understanding how quarantine works, how being contagious works. And I'll tell you, you, my friend, kept saying to me, take this thing seriously. Because I think a lot of people, even when they get a positive COVID diagnosis, they're assuming this is a disaster and I'm going to need to go to a hospital. Sure. Just because you don't have to go to a hospital doesn't mean, A, you're not super contagious, and B, it doesn't mean you're sick. You're mm-hmm. not sick. So while I don't have the virus in me, I can tell you I have never been this exhausted, and that has me worried. I don't know how long it's going to take to sort of get back to myself. Yeah, it's a, what we're trying to underscore is we're not all not celebrities like Rudy Giuliani, that we get to go into the hospital, get the very latest, because there are some treatments that work rather well now. They've sort of gotten very good at dealing with people who are not extraordinarily sick. But that's what amazes yeah. me more about President Trump than Giuliani. I would have thought after Trump had it, he would have, A, empathy would have kicked in what? for him. and it doesn't have that. Well, okay, but it, if you were a normal person, empathy yes. would have kicked in and he would have realized, look at this unbelievable care I got. Look at these doctors. Look at all these answers I got. Mm-hmm. Imagine what this is like for the rest of the world. Because let me tell you, that is what overwhelmed me for the two weeks when I was sitting home. But mm-hmm. even if it wasn't empathy, I don't understand on the other side how the president didn't have sheer, brutal political instinct to -hmm. say, oh, my God, this is impacting this entire country. What do I do now that I've experienced COVID, knowing what this is like? What do I do to say, I'm sorry, America, I didn't realize what this was like. Time to really do something. I don't understand how after Trump having this, he still stayed on the path of quasi-denial. And to me- Because he said, I got over it. Suck it up, Sally. That's really, I think, the- Yes, because for him, he and the White House get rapid COVID tests every single time they walk into a room, Mm -hmm. having no understanding of how brutal it is to, to even get a test, then get your test results. And then when you do, and they're contradictory, people are like, oh, well, that test wasn't that great. Trump doesn't have to experience any of that. Right. So what, what do you, when you, when you look bad having had it, and I'm glad you're feeling better, but you're still going to have repercussions. Um, what do you, how do you, people have sort of, I've had this sort of magical answer of vaccine. It's always, and I think we had Michael Mina on the other day and he's talked about the idea that it's as if, you know, London was getting bombed and they said the F-22 is coming or, you know what I mean? And not doing anything else to protect from bombs essentially until we're waiting for the magical vaccine to kick in. To me, the abject failure of our government, which has crushed us from a health and economic perspective, is testing. Just think about this, Kara. The minute you, technically, Mm -hmm. as soon as you know you have exposure, you're supposed to quarantine. 
Most people cannot afford, a lot of people can't afford to quarantine or they're unwilling to do it or they think they're quarantined. Isolating means you are around no one for 14 days. Mm -hmm. People aren't really doing that. No. But if we have, I can tell you when I actually, I was never officially contact traced by the government, but when I went and made calls to contact trace myself, people don't want to take your call. Right. We know from COVID, if you wash your hands, wear a mask, you're socially distant, we're lowering the risk, you get it. But if you do get it, the answer is quarantine. So mm -hmm. if they had done anything around testing, right. we should be at a place now where you have an app on your phone where you can see if you're positive or negative. And that will do, that will change the decision you make whether or not you walk out of the front of your house. My right. entire family- Or you're not allowed to. Like in, in yes. Taiwan, they had a they had a cooperative system, but it was quite strict. It's like they, they find you if you, you did that. And they keep, kept people in hotels. They had a really great system of feeding them and keeping them in hotels. And they had almost no, and they stayed open. And listen, open. would I have liked to have gone to a hotel for two weeks or my husband? I wouldn't have liked it, mm -hmm. but I absolutely would have gone because at the very least, the stress and pressure you're under, how complicated it is to actually quarantine. I had the privilege that I have enough spaces and, and people mm -hmm. in my life to help me quarantine. Most people don't have that privilege. And our government is basically saying, do the right thing. And we're giving you nothing to help you do that. Right. So to right. me, if we would have sorted out testing, mm -hmm. we could have schools and businesses open. Technically, Kara, mm -hmm. I could have gone into any store on any day when I had COVID because I never had a fever. My right. kids quarantined for the amount of time. They didn't technically have to get a test. My kids would have gone into three different schools and infected all three schools. They yeah. only got a test because my employer mailed me an at-home test at the end of it. Which is amazing. So how do you think the vaccine will immediately affect the U.S. economy? Let's get into the economy now that we've already done the damage, the unnecessary damage, by the way. I mean, listen, things are going to open back up, mm -hmm. right? There's, there, there's enormous pent-up demand. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're not spending money. Everybody right. keep When you look at the stock market, one of the reasons so many big public businesses are doing so well is because mm -hmm. that's where we're spending money. Look at DoorDash, mm -hmm. okay? You, right. Once the economy opens back up, we're not going to need DoorDash. DoorDash had one of the most phenomenal IPOs out there. Why? Because we need to have our food delivered because we mm -hmm. can't go into restaurants. Right. You're going to see a good portion of that reverse. And it's very sad because all of these big business, and remember, DoorDash takes mm -hmm. a cut from your right. favorite little local restaurant where you're ordering from. Mm -hmm. So while people are saying, oh, the stock market's doing so well, Part of the fuel that's pushing the stock market up is the lifeblood of American small business that's dying at this moment. Right, right. Now, when you talk, think about that, the, the, the impact, what do you see in the short term, the medium term, and the long term for the economy? You know, Scott, Scott, our Scott often says, like, listen, help people, not businesses. And I completely get that. However, we are going to lose. We already have over 100,000 small businesses. That's not going to change. And if you think about so many of those jobs in sort of the hospitality industry, they're not coming back anytime soon. Um, mm -hmm. On a big level, things that I don't see coming back right away, let's be honest, corporate travel. Do you really think we're going to get right back to the everybody flying to this meeting, flying to that meeting, rushing to every possible no, conference I, I out there? No, I don't need to. You realize you don't need to. 
I'm so glad I always hated traveling. And so now I think people are going to travel, but not nearly as much as they did because for, for, if you're, if you run a corporation, Mm-hmm. You may have figured out that your business can survive with everybody working mm-hmm. from home, but lots of businesses have had a huge loss in productivity and they're not thriving and a waste. They are going to keep costs down. They're not going to bring back lots of travel. And lots of us have lots of executives have a lot less support than we once did. And that's right. probably going to stay for a while. I Absolutely. think you're going to see low so- level people not get jobs back. Meanwhile, New York is shutting, speaking of people who are struggling, New York is shutting down indoor dining, but we still don't have a new federal relief packages for small business and workers and individuals. How does this play out? You have, you know, Nancy, I don't even understand what's happening. It just is so confusing. I don't even understand it. And it's, you know, last week. You cover it. (laughs) I, I do. But, you know, last week I was interviewing Bernie Sanders and it ended up, I ended up infuriating him. He called me mm-hmm. after the show and told me how angry he was. And while I mm-hmm. thought we settled things, the Bernie bro swarm has been attacking me mm-hmm. ever since. And I was just trying to make the argument to him, they've got to find a middle ground. Like Kara, mm-hmm. in business- He's blocking. He's been blocking. But in business, yeah. you and I can hate one another's guts. Mm-hmm. But, we, but if we work together, every day we have to find some sort of middle ground because mm-hmm. we need our company to make money or sure. otherwise we're all going to lose our jobs. Right. Somehow in politics, they don't do that. I'm not trying to dog on the HEROES Act. The mm-hmm. HEROES Act is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But if all you're going to do is get Congress to vote to pass it, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. It means nothing. <laughs> like you might say, I hate Mitch McConnell's guts. He's the worst person on earth. Great, super, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get something done, if mm-hmm. Republicans or Democrats want to get something done for all the people in the businesses in their states, and it's not just blue states suffering, red states are suffering too, you've got to figure out how to play ball. So with where the do you see, how house. is it going to play ball? What was your issue with Bernie Sanders so we can get more Bernie bros on you? So so I had, and I, I didn't, I honestly didn't mean to be sassy with him. Oh, it's okay. But, he can take but, it, that crusty listen, old man. Give me he a was coming on MSNBC to talk about mm-hmm. uh that he's pushing this idea for 1200 bucks. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I want that all the support, all the stimulus, bring it on. But I said to him, great. I understand what your plan is. He's obviously been talking about it. He's going on MSNBC talking about it. Great. So what is MSNBC audience going to do? Say, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> what is, I asked him, great. What Republican senators do mm-hmm. you have on board to vote for this? Mm-hmm. And then I said something that maybe was too sassy. And I said, Um, you've won the hearts and minds of millions of American people. And he has. Mm -hmm. And I said, but, you know, you haven't had enormous success over the last 30 years getting a lot of your initiatives made into law. Do you need to change another lane? And I wasn't saying, do you need to want something else? But what I'm saying is, do you need to figure out a different way to get Republicans to work with you? We're in crisis. This isn't like a philosophical debate about what kind of health care you think we should have in a perfect world. People are dying. People are losing their homes. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do right now to get both groups that hate each other to find a way to vote together? Right. Right. Yeah, and that's and of course, like the Bernie that oh, essentially he thought you were telling him he did nothing for years. I think that's what he probably was yes, and 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 the and the Bernie swarm is saying you are a corporate hack. You don't you're not somebody who even wants to help people. I do want to help people, but I'm just saying I think we have to get brutally practical here to get something mm-hmm. done. In the business world, you don't get to be idealistic. That's how you right. go out of business. All right. So what? So speaking of which, I you know hard hearted. Uh, Stephanie Rule, um, and the nice, soft, squishy Bernie. He's such a good guy. 
anyway, what do you what do you imagine is going to happen in the short long term? You, we've seen this this crazy uh, IPOs from Airbnb, DoorDash, etc. The, uh, the stock market looks great. You can't tell whether it's thrilled that Trump lost or that Trump is taking credit for it. What do you what do you see the medium the the short term and then the long term? What are the things people have to focus on coming I'm out very, of this? I am very worried about political will here. Just think about people you know, Kara, in the spring. We're willing to lock down. We're a mm-hmm. lot more afraid of COVID. Mm-hmm. Now the COVID numbers are worse than ever. Yeah. And people aren't nearly as disciplined when it comes to locking down. True. Right? True. Wealthy people are looking at the stock market. They're enjoying working from home. Mm-hmm. And they're basically figuring workarounds. Because right. if you are uh, somebody who really is vulnerable, you know you can get the Giuliani or the Trump treatment and you'll be okay. And right. if you're somebody who's privileged but not at risk like they are, you think you might get COVID like I did, get sick, but not in a devastating way. And so I'm worried that we're losing some much needed political will that maybe we'll see solved come, come, come January 20th. But between now and January 20th, lives, livelihoods, homes, people are losing by the day. Shoplifting is going up in this country, Kara. Shoplifting for baby formula and diapers. Right, right, right. Now, Scott has returned from wherever, whence he came from. What a thrill. from shoplifting, probably. What a thrill. Um, or package theft. That's his other side job. Um, Scott, we've been talking about Stephanie's illness and where the economy yeah. is going, but she hasn't gotten into the Biden administration. Why don't you start and ask a question or two since I'm carrying your water since you, whatever you were. Well, I'm just curious. First off, Stephanie, I, I, I mean this even more than usual. It is wonderful to see you. Thank you. Um, and my, uh, obviously, uh, best to you and your family, and I love the work you're doing. Um so my question is, just as you have, this is, I would assume, one of the bigger health scares you and your family have faced, even if it's more of an existential one than actual threat to your health, because you're all fairly young and fairly healthy. And I know there's an X factor here, but uh, have you thought at all about how you think this will change the way that healthcare is delivered or that you will consume healthcare? If we don't walk away from this as an urgent need to address health inequity in this country, then we have no leadership, right? I'm the luckiest girl in the world who has access to all sorts of support and I could barely get a test and I really couldn't get test results. If Mm -hmm. we don't look at this, if we don't get to the back of this and say, why is it that the poorest people in this country got sick and died? Why don't they have access to die? I mean, it's crazy when I would sit, when I walked into NYU hospital on Friday to get checked, mm-hmm. I thought about, look at all of these healthcare workers, the 40 people I saw cleaning the building, every doctor, every nurse, and what are we doing for them? How are we honoring healthcare in this country? And I'm not saying the answer is Medicare for all, but the answer on the heels of this has to be, is there a way to refocus how we look at healthcare in terms of people before insurance companies. And that's what we've got to do. Right. Because how- even from an economic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You get the COVID test and it's free, or you get the vaccine and it's free. We're not saving money. We are spending an enormous amount of yep. money because we didn't figure out testing. Had we mm-hmm. figured out accurate, broad, rapid testing, 
Many, many people and businesses would be back at work and there'd be more people alive today because loads of people have COVID and don't know they have it because there are people like me who could, who are kind of sick, who could kind of go to work or lots of other people convince themselves they don't have COVID because they can't afford not to go to work. Those people are all super spreaders. My question is if MSNBC can figure out a way to disperse your studio and Rockefeller Center to your cottage in New Jersey, shouldn't we be able to distribute that NYU uh, urgent care? I don't know if it was the ER or just, or just that. Shouldn't they be able to disperse it to your home? Isn't there, isn't there just a huge opportunity to get off our heels and onto our toes with healthcare and push it out, if you will? There is a huge opportunity, right? In theory, I didn't need to ever go to a doctor. Like, I didn't, right? right? My employer sent me a test at home which I put in a FedEx and I mailed and, and got the results. My employer did that. We could do it in a bigger way. We don't need to be necessary. People who aren't super sick, but mm-hmm. people who have something, people, we can be doing teledoc appointments. Mm-hmm. We can be getting these things, right? If you would have said to me a year ago, we're going to do teledoc appointments when my kids were sick, I would be like, never. I need yeah. that doctor to see my child and mm-hmm. touch my child. No, you don't. Yeah. And you yeah. could see a millions more people if you are banging it out, bang, 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 over Zoom. Well, the only thing is, you know, you talk about this, everybody's suddenly realizing it. You know, I, I just interviewed the Secretary of State of Georgia, and I, he was like, well, I got death threats. I'm like, you know, Stacey Abrams been getting for years. Like, now you get it. Now you get it. Do you think it actually sticks with people, you know, once they get back to their comfort land? I think that's the best question, right? It's like, I remember when I was in college and I spent a semester studying in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And before I came home, you know, writing the letters to my parents, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want any more material goods. I don't want you to send me a Christmas present ever. Nothing. Like, I, all I want to do is, is, is give to the poor. That's what I'm devoting Mm -hmm. my life to. And then I came home the week before Christmas. And then on Christmas Eve, I was like, Hey, um, so what do you think you're going to get me for Christmas tomorrow? Yeah. I, I mean, experiencing horrific things gives us perspective. But if we are foolish enough to think, oh my God, this was the wake up call we needed to change the way we deliver medicine, to change the way we govern, it's not. But we have to figure out a way. We collectively have experienced COVID. How can we as a country use this perspective to come together and do some level of good? And Scott, I think you're coming from a place where you're saying from a business perspective, how can we deliver healthcare? Yeah, there are enormous business opportunities before us. The question is, are people going to pick them up and run with them? The, prob- right. the probability Let's is Let's talk yes. Biden then. Let's talk Biden then because he's going to be in charge. And he, despite legislation, he still has a lot of power. What, how, what are you looking forward to given the selections he's made economically, et cetera? I mean, so far, Biden has chosen pretty non-controversial experts. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need, right? We need a steady group of experts. And Biden himself said, I'm not going to be your radical leader. I'm going to be your bridge president. Mm-hmm. And I think now, even more than 10 months ago, you, you, you see an enormous amount of American people say, that's what we need. We need to get back on our feet again. And one thing I do hope they really look at in their first 100 days beyond COVID, mm-hmm. how many times have we said in the last four years, Trump is breaking norms. This is out of protocol. They shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. But technically, they were allowed to do lots and lots of things. Right. So all the things that everybody set their hair on fire over the last four years that we said was breaking the norms and and totally corrupt and and they shouldn't be doing it. That Trump when Trump would be blowing his nose with subpoenas, figure out what that long list of things are 
and close all those loopholes in your first 100 days. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? Just because Trump isn't president anymore, he may have just given every future potential autocrat the playbook for here's how you do it. Right. Right. A lot of Trump appointees, not a lot. Some Trump appointees are still going to be in their jobs. Right. The, you, you've got you've got a um, postmaster general. He's still going to be in his job in the not next three weeks. You've got the Trump administration ap still appointing Trump people to really important posts. If you think these guys are going away, they're not. They're staying around. They're finding ways to cash in. And if they did it in ways that were unethical, then time to change the law. All three of us spent a lot of time after 08 hearing people say, and we said, man, there were some really bad actors in the banking industry. Like they should go to jail. None of them went to jail because technically they didn't do anything illegal. So everybody should get their outrage notebook back, say what were the things that were the most egregious, the most outrageous, and change the rules so they don't happen again. Stephanie, COVID <laughs> put you on fuego. I don't know. What do you think about with that? I, I think I, I will see. I think I think we'll go right back to comfort zone. I think you're gonna. I'm gonna ask what I'm getting for Christmas, or America is gonna ask. A after pretending it cares, it's going to ask healthcare? everything. Hmm. Wow, Scott? you're more cynical than me, which is strange. I'm, <laughs> sort of, I, I'm curious, it's sort of the Game of Thrones around media companies in terms of how they intersect with politics and the change in politics. You have the Trump administration raising or Trump raising a quarter of a billion dollars to develop sort of what looks like a shadow presidency. But his typical front or propaganda for machine for it uh, News Corps has new threats. There's some notion that it, once the Trump show goes away and we have the pleasure of not thinking about the president maybe but once but every two weeks, that a lot of a lot of networks will suffer. What, how do you see things shifting in the kind yeah. of the Game of Thrones that is media or political media? Then, Scott, let us short-term suffer and mm -hmm. dig deep and do some homework and provide better content. Mm -hmm. If the best yes. we are is is reality TV, diving into the freak show every day, if that's the only way we know how to get people to watch television, mm -hmm. then maybe we don't deserve the big bucks. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't deserve the big bucks. I don't I'd like to think I don't get them. But but I'm saying, yes, people love to tune in to car crashes. But we as a country have gotten dumber and weaker in our priorities Let's find a way to be better, Scott. But I'm, I'm, you're a business person. I mean, you come yeah, from Yeah, but this. so what are you going to cover? The news every day, policy. Okay, here's a perfect example. I'm not really covering Trump lawsuits in a very big way. And somebody called me this weekend and complained about that to me, somebody who kind of revels in the drama of it. And from my silly, simple girl perspective, hmm. Donald Trump is a lame duck president. Right. The last two months of the Obama administration, Barack Obama could barely get a big headline. Nobody was paying attention. They were on to the next thing. And for me, everything I make, my goal is, how do I help people get better and smarter? Covering President Trump sitting on his desk, crying and whining, this isn't fair, I'm still the president, is not my priority. And if people are thick enough that they want to mail him a check to raise money for this nonsense fight to say he won, that's their own prerogative. But as long as that's not my tax dollars, I'm moving on. Sounds my question good. was more around... So if you think there's a dispersion of healthcare, bypassing hospitals and doctor's offices, going to smart cameras and held, handhelds, if Star Wars is moving to Disney Plus and your living rooms, if you think about really fantastic content that covers news and politics, 
it feels like at some point there's going to be a dispersion, that it's either going to go behind a paywall. If uh, Let me ask it a different way. If you were to pair with two fantastic um, journalists or, or news people and <laughs> start— and start no, a brand new us. and start a brand new company. What would that company look like? It would be Kara, Scott, Stephanie, go and on, me, and maybe my boyfriend Andrew Ross Sorkin, and throw a little, throw uh, you know, throw a little sports in the mix. Um, right. I don't know. I think I I, I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think that because we deliver so much content for so many hours, mm-hmm. we probably don't need to do that. Right. I think if you just delivered the smartest, best things in a more concise manner. Yeah, less is more. Then you'd get more bang for your buck. Right. If I was an advertiser, like what hour is it of the I mean, there's just so much out there that is not of high value. What Mm -hmm. if we offered less hours Mm -hmm. and just offered good provocative stuff? That's a great idea. Speaking of which, my last question is we got to go, Stephanie. The whole thing, Hollywood thing going on with Jason Kyler. I did a big interview with him. Obviously, there's been lots of stories about him. What? How do you look at this, this sort of explosion by Hollywood? What do you mean? About the about putting movies online. You know, oh, speaking oh, oh. To- Listen, um, <laughs> from a personal perspective, I love it. I love being home. I love to be yeah. with my family. Right. Um, right? This Saturday night was the best Saturday night I've had in ages. I watched my favorite Christmas movie, Love Actually, with my three kids. I didn't miss going to parties. Oh. I've never really liked actually going to the movies. I don't like that movie. Oh, what? That's, that's great. It's, it's like, like no, because it's all about sleeping with the help. But go ahead. Go ahead. You say Are that you like kidding? it's a bad thing. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's literally like, ever, yes, Karen? yes, man, white man, you can sleep with the help. But okay, go ahead. Come uh, on. No, the, everybody slept with everybody. The everybody's scenes from Heathrow so Airport. Yeah. Just, that's just take genius. it apart. Just that, take it that apart. Whole I watched Prom. Mm. I watched Prom. That's what I watched, which was great. Um, what other content I'm, have you been consuming? I think this is really important. A lot of time <laughs> at home. What is Stephanie role? What content so have you been consuming? So it's funny you say that because I, I, I'm not somebody who has watches a lot of TV just because I work in it oh, and then start. I'm with my kids. Start. It's I watched... Queen's Gambit, obviously worshipped it. I watched Genius. The Undoing, loved it, but I have to say the ending was a little bit predictable for me, and I was in love with Donald Sutherland in it. In it, and I watched Industry. Have you watched Industry? No. Well, that's, that's, you, that's you and I, I live have. that. We live <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. You know, they that show really hit on a lot of very very true things yeah. for those of us who sort of grew up in um, investment banking and sales and trading. That show hasn't gotten a lot of um, attention. I think it was amazing. There was a little, either I missed out. So I'll tell you, when I first got into banking, the advice someone gave me was, um, don't ever stay out after midnight, don't drink, and don't have sex with anybody at work. And I obviously married somebody who I worked with, so I missed that third one. But man, that show has so much sex and drugs in it that, yeah, that was Scott's experience. It's, yeah, all three of those was like check, check, check. Um, it's <laughs> all girls, right, you it's too. girls all right. meets it's girls meets billions. It's really uh, if it you were in it's investment it banking analyst program in the nineties, except it's in London. It's really it's it's uh, I know I think it's. Great. I did none of this and I behaved beautifully. Let me just say, yeah, right, I did some right. Of, I did. Here we go. I did. I'm not, here we I, go. Seven wives, harem, Sultan, <laughs> Sultan of Subaru. Here, yeah. Right. All right. We right. have to go, Stephanie. If you weren't you, you'd be horrified by you. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Stephanie, 
We truly appreciate it. We want you to get better. Do Thank not so overestimate much. the impact of this. Many of my friends have had it, and there are repercussions from it that continue. I'm going to leave you all and take a nap right now. Take a nap. How much do we love Stephanie Roll? We love Stephanie Roll. How much do we love Stephanie Roll? All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. There's so many. There's so many. Do you want to go first? I do, because I think you agree with this one. The Wall Street Journal op-ed section says that Dr. Jill Biden, the incoming first lady, should drop her doctor title. That's your win. Is that your win? Is that it's your win? My, it's my fail. You know, yeah. Rupert Murdoch is my fail. I Like, I yeah. tacked him this weekend, and I got so many likes, which made me feel better. But, I mean, look, the Wall Street Journal did this incredibly misogynistic thing, and also just rude, and calling her kiddo, and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and then this, then then Paul Gigo, who I know barely, um, was like, oh, it's cancel culture. No, you just have a shitty take, Paul. And people said it was shitty. That was it. Everyone using this cancel culture excuse, like, they Mm -hmm. didn't, nobody stopped them from publishing it. Nobody, like, made them take it down. Nobody canceled them. They just said, you're shitty. That's all. Like, I want to return to the word cancel culture. Stop saying it and just take responsibility for your crappy stories, which was crappy. I'm sorry. It was just a crappy story. Mm -hmm. Um, And and call your kid. It's just like, it's just shitty. It's just shitty. And then the same time, the New York Post, also owned by um, uh, Rupert Murdoch, then uh, sort of slut-shamed a woman who was making money on OnlyFans and also was an EMT. You know, screw them. Screw them. Mm-hmm. She can do whatever she wants. It's sex Do you shaming. have her account? <laughs> no. So, oh, God, Sorry, as go usual. In any case. And Just then to help out. the Rupert Murdoch-owned uh, Fox News let that, whatever, that idiot in the morning, that idiot who does interviews. They don't, they're not even interviews. Let President Trump put, because they're worried about losing people to Newsmax, which they should mm-hmm. be, um, uh, spew all kinds of nonsense, false nonsense all over the place. Just Rupert Murdoch is literally the most dangerous. You talk about Mark Zuckerberg, and we talk about it. Rupert Murdoch has been the most dangerous media figure in history at this moment, I think, one of them. Thank you. So this is a big story around the halls of NYU or the virtual halls, right? Because Mm -hmm. the majority of my colleagues have a PhD, they have a doctorate, and they deserve, they spend three to five years beyond postgraduate work defending their thesis, trying to come up with something original. They don't get paid a lot, and they are kind of the best and brightest in their field for a moment. The majority of Nobel Prize winners, the reason they get the Nobel Prize is based on their work, their doctoral work. So these people deserve to be, they deserve the term doctor. The question is the context within which they actually use it. And I think that I think there was a point, a valid point here that unfortunately got wallpapered over by the fact they acted like assholes trying to make what I thought was somewhat of a valid point, and it's the following, that in academia, uh, and I want to be clear, I don't, I, I'm, not a doc, I'm not a doctor, people oftentimes, Michael Smirconish last week and introduced me as Dr. Galloway, and I'm like, no, I just have a graduate degree, I don't yeah. have a doctorate, so they deserve they I'm deserve. I'm going to call you title. Lady Galloway, but go <laughs> There ahead. we go. But here's the thing. In the context of academia, we don't usually use that title because we want to distinguish ourselves from medical professionals, Mm -hmm. or that we want to let them have that distinction. So I do think there's some truth that in the context that is Madam-elect Vice President, the broader context, she probably shouldn't refer to herself as doctor. We know she has a doctorate. I think that's wonderful. The way they went about it was absolutely asinine and just just reeked of misogyny. It's like, would they have said that to a man? I just... 
So I think the point is a fair one that in yeah. academia, we don't refer, ac- academics who have PhDs don't refer to themselves, nor do they ask people to call them doctor. We get it. Mm-hmm. But this article was so ham-handed. It just, it, it just yeah, came across shitty, as... Shitty take, shitty take. Yeah, there used 100%. to be a thing called shitty take in journalism, 100%. and this is one 100%. of them. And that we want to, you know, it's fine to say, I've had done shitty takes. Like, come on, just l- live it, love it, be it. Yeah, anyway, yours... Oh, my, by the way, let me say my win once again is Cobra Kai getting a fourth season. I'm in. Oh, season I didn't know one. that. That's a great win. I love that show. Win. There was one, <laughs> I'm just in the first season. And I have to say, there's one point when they're about to fight the two original people, which they keep almost fighting all the time. And they're, they're getting ready to do it. And then the wife comes out and it's like, are you friggin' kidding me? And she goes, I'm making breakfast. And then the blonde kid, the guy the goes, I could eat. Like, it just is so funny. It makes me laugh and laugh and laugh. And they're all, and they played um, um, REO Speedwagon. So I'm just happy as a clam watching that show. Anyway, go ahead. I'm glad they got the fourth season. I'm going to have Ralph Macchio on Sway, I think. Well, my win and fail is the vaccine. And my fail is the lack of patriotism and science denial and selfishness that people are demonstrated with their general gestalt Mm -hmm. around the vaccine and if and when they'll take it. If you think about the science of this vaccine. Um, the Two of them are messenger RNA. One of them actually puts like a traditional vaccine, some yes. of the uh, 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 hamstrung diminished form of the virus into you. The, the reality is that the number of people who've had adverse reactions to vaccines is mm-hmm. just so tiny that almost any activity you can name presents bigger risks. In addition, the substance that they are actually introducing to your body is out of your body within a couple weeks. The notion of long-term effects, if you look at the history of vaccines, the number of adverse reactions almost happen almost always immediately, meaning that we have starched out that risk because the the majority of clinical trials have already extended beyond that time period. So you are talking about risks that are so tiny. And when people even use the term risk, unfortunately, it's a word that encompasses all risk. It's not really fair. The risks here are so marginal. In addition, in addition, I keep hearing from a lot of what I'll call my cohort that they're going to wait a while. Well, you know what? It's not about you. Mm -hmm. This isn't about you. There is a web of death and disability waving across America. And if we don't get to herd immunity, 60% of Americans could get this. That's approximately 250 million people. Call the mortality rate 1%. That's 2.5 million people. 300,000 have died already. There are 2.2 million people who are really vulnerable. And when you decide mm-hmm. not to take those tiny risks to, to, to such that you can no longer be a threat, you are no longer part of this hideous, horrific wave, you are putting other people's lives at risk. In May of 1940, in May of 1940, the Germans drove 400,000 Dutch, French, and British um, soldiers to the beaches of Dunkirk. And the word went out, if we lose these 400 people, they, mm-hmm. it's going to be a turkey shoot. They were stranded. Right. Right. The, the panzer tanks, for some reason, didn't come in because Hitler supposedly wasn't woken up. Did, some general didn't want to wake Hitler up. If we had lost those 400,000 people, the war would have been over. And who knows what yes. this world would have looked like. And what did, what did the well, British do? Philip Roth, but go ahead. What, what did the British do? They said, to, they said, these guys, these young men need to get off the beach. And every sailboat, fishing trawler, anything that floated headed over to Dunkirk and got those 400,000 young men off the beach. And you know what? We have 2 million people in this nation, brothers and sisters, on the beach right now that will die Mm -hmm. 
if we don't get to herd immunity. So this isn't fucking about you. With so few of us, so few of us have had any call to service. This is a small call, but it is a call. It is a call and register that call. Take that call. Get a vaccine. It's not about you. It's about not being a fiber in this threat of death. And look at the goddamn numbers here. The risks are anemic. Let's get 2 million of our fellow Americans off the beach. Yep. Thank you. I love your shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, you people. Stop. I love it. I love it. You, Winston Churchill, let me just, let me just clap for you on that one. <laughs> we will fight them in We will the, never surrender. We will fight them yeah. in the Wawa. Yeah. We will. That's right. <laughs> we will go to CVS. Yes. We will roll up our sleeves. They will wear their masks That's and get right. their vaccines. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to wait a little while. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. That's right. Oh, good. I like it. I like that we agree on this. Would you, what would first you do if I was— line. What if, Be first what, in exactly, line. Exactly. Let me just say, what would you do if I was an anti-vaxxer? <laughs> it would be ugly. I'm not. I don't, <laughs> it's just so strange, yeah. isn't it? And yes. it's—people have gone so foxy. Reasonable people are like, mm-hmm. well, how might it affect me? You know what you are when you wait? You're a free yeah. rider, and you're yeah. a science denier, free and you can't do math. Sure. Free anyway, I, I think I want to really, I think you first know, freedom, in line should be a freedom. national call sign. You have yeah. your freedom to kill yeah. other people. It's tyranny. tyranny. It's tyranny, Kara. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'd like to give them some tyranny. And then yeah. we'll see. Also tiramisu. Anyway, Scott, that's the show. I Kara. love your call to arms, Winnie. I'm going to call you there Winnie you from now on. Um, as a reminder, we love the listener mail questions and we're trying something new. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the Pivot Podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Read us out, Scott. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Indradot engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen. Andrew Burroughs. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Kara, this is our generation call. We shall fight this them is our generation's call. Heed the call. 4 for the show comes from Atlassian. What do you think of when you hear the word flow? How about a smooth river of collaboration culminating in a shared ocean of positive outcomes across your organization? Atlassian software like Loom, Confluence, and Jira can help you achieve maximum flow across your teams by enabling fast and easy communication and connection no matter what time zone they're in. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unlock flow across your teams at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 